Now, those of you who are attentive listeners may remember a while back, I paid a visit to Revival Projects in Inner Melbourne, in Collingwood, where the incredibly resourceful, thoughtful and creative Robbie Neville has his workshop. And the job, well, salvaging building materials from demolition sites and repurposing those beautiful timbers. And while I was there, uh, I learned that Robbie, well, he has another string to his bow. He is also responsible for having built Australia's only inner city timber mill and drying kiln. He calls it the Urban Tree Recovery Initiative, and he very generously promised to show me how it works. Hello, Rob. Hi, Jonathan. What a fine little piece of machinery over there in the corner. Yeah, this is a beautiful Lucas Mill, Australian design and made. What's it do? It cuts up trees, cuts up big logs, and helps you utilise it. I have to say that we're here in in inner city Melbourne, in the beautiful suburb of Collingwood, uh, which is not where you would expect to find such a device. (laughs) (laughs) No, certainly pretty unique in that regard. We're uh, Australia's only inner city timber mill and kiln operation, less than two kilometres from here to the CBD, so walking distance to the CBD. And um, we're spread across 4,000 square metres, so we've got a good amount of space to do something extremely special, uh, helping people utilise trees from the city that need to be cut down. Okay, so urban timber um, is, is your raw material? Yeah, that's right. Our initiative, we call this our Urban Tree Recovery Initiative. And we only handle timber, you know, trees that have needed to be cut down for various reasons around Melbourne, uh, whether it's tree age or tree health or new development. We don't really get involved in that part of it, why it came down. Um, But we're here to help make the most of that resource if a decision's made that a tree does need to come down. We've made it more accessible than it's ever been to utilise that resource. It's amazing that nobody has sort of put that together before, that the the trees around cities could be milled, as opposed to, I guess, the, the previous response was to chip them. Yeah, there is a lot of chipping that happens. I think it hasn't happened before because we've had to pull together a few different, I guess, commercial operations and platforms that have made it possible. So geographical location is a big one. Mm. Being in the inner city with this amount of space to be able to handle trees, receive trees in large trucks. Well, there's some big lumps of wood lying around here. (laughs) There's some huge trees here that have come from Melbourne CBD, uh, some ironbark from Richmond, plane trees from Sturt Street. That's um, some lemon gum and some massive ironbark over there from a school in Mont Albert. And yeah, being able to have the space to just coordinate and operate with these massive trees is, is half the battle. But then also bringing together the milling and the drying. We can also grade timber, you know, we're structural engineers. So uh, when you combine that, with our our business model being you know commercial builders domestic builders and you know manufacture facility we basically pulled together a lot of these different dimensions to give an offering where we can say look if you've got to bring a tree down whatever your vision is to do with it we can make that possible for you 
It's a really interesting model because you've you sort of disrupted the normal sort of commercial commodification <laughs> of this timber. Yeah. I mean, just dis- it, explain to me the nose to tail of this. The, the, the timber is, is, there it is, a local government, for example, has a, a plane tree that has to come down. It comes to you, you mill that timber, then what happens to it? The ideal outcome is we help that organisation utilise that resource. I think it would be fair to say we're the only timber mill that doesn't sell any timber. So our whole thing is helping you use what you already have. And there's generally two ways that plays out. Number one is the people who have had to cut down the tree, they have a, an outcome for it or a need for it. And um, we can help them be resourceful and we can help them bring that vision to life. And the other way we operate, if, uh, if we receive trees that have had to come down, but that person or organisation doesn't have a use for it, we make that tree available to people and businesses and organisations. We make that timber available, but we operate a transfer of custody model rather than a price tag where we actually sell and reduce that resource to a commodity. You're going to need to explain that idea. Yeah, that's the... Uh, <laughs> I think this is getting to the core. Yeah. <laughs> That's the part where people either get really excited or they realise that uh, I'm a bit of a dreamer. Uh, And generally those people don't come to this space uh, and engage. So our philosophy is that if we reduce resource, especially natural resource, to a commodity, we cultivate consumption. Um, You expect nothing else from the person entering into that exchange. You expect no level of care, no duty of care no environmental consideration, no consideration for the history that led to that resource becoming expendable in this moment, no moral obligation, no community obligation. It's literally the same level of care that you would expect from someone going and buying a sandwich. Mm. And uh, it's a good analogy because what's that person gonna do? What are they expected to do? They're expected to consume that sandwich. And so I'm just using that analogy, you know, when you compare that to a a tree that might've grown for a thousand years and all we expect in that exchange is for a person to agree on a price and then they can do whatever they want with it, you're going to cultivate consumption. And our philosophy is that we handle that resource as an extension of land and we try to encourage people to embrace custodianship over consumption of that resource. So what does that mean in, in practical terms? If I walk in here and there's that plane tree that you've milled and it's dried and I have a, a, a use for that timber, what are you going to ask of me? We're going to enter into a transfer of custody agreement where we formally sign uh, an agreement that outlines uh, how you're going to use it Uh, You're going to consider efficiency, you're going to consider waste, you're going to consider future use. You're not going to pay us for that material. Uh, You'll need to pay us for handling the timber, milling the timber, drying the timber. Um, But we're not reducing the exchange of that precious resource to a commodity. Uh, It's much more a transfer of custody. And then it's up to you what you do with it. There's a platform there for you to, for that person to implement that narrative and implement those values and the principles of custodianship onto the next use. So you might be a furniture maker and you come here and you're after some material, you can have anything you like. You won't buy it off us the same way you would buy any other commodity to be consumed. 
we will dig into an agreement that will explore how you're going to handle that precious resource while it's in your custody. And the shift of thinking, I guess, I mean, the assumption we make if we buy something is it is mine. Yeah. I can do what I will with this. Yeah. You're saying no, that this is, a th- this is a shared entity, this is, this is a part of this place, this yeah. is... It's an extension of land. Yeah, so you, you, you are, as you say, a, a custodian of that, that material. Yeah. You think about going and getting a rental car, <laughs> the volume of <laughs> They go faster, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they ask a lot of questions, yes. and there's a lot of insurance, yes. and there's a lot of process and detail and, you know, a very sort of detailed agreement that needs to be had because your responsibility is to look after that rental car. So if you extrapolate that across to resource, at the moment we have nothing in place in our commercial sphere that we operate in uh, that really puts that obligation and provides a set of responsibilities uh, for someone to adhere to handling resource as a custodian. And it's particularly important when it's a, a a resource of the natural world. Yeah. It's a, when it's a grown living thing. Um, Nature's capital. Well, it is. Yeah. yeah. Which we often act with a sort of a predatory way. We go and consume it as sort of apex predators on the planet. Yeah, that's exactly right. And as though it's endless. Mm. We consume it as though it's endless. And it's really not endless. And I think more and more people are becoming aware of that fact. It's not endless. And if we continue to consume it voraciously as a commodity, we're going to run out and we're going to destroy the planet in doing so. So how is the idea playing out? Is this You're getting timber from one end, what yeah. about the other side? Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, we're working with a few different local councils and developers and even uh, just individual clients. You know, uh, that this iron bark here came from a a residence in Richmond. Um, really sadly, the neighbouring property was undergoing some development. They were doing an extension and someone accidentally damaged the roots of that tree that went underneath the neighbour's property. Yeah. Um, so the tree unfortunately died and instead of it being cut up and chipped up and mulched, uh, we managed to you know, provide an outcome where that resource can be utilised. As you describe that situation, you suddenly think, of course, I mean, this is happening all the time. Yeah. Trees all around our cities, uh, well, not just our cities, but but we're talking urban here in particular. Yeah. uh, Yeah, constantly either being knocked over, in peril, reach the end of their their useful living life, all sorts of situations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're really excited about a lot of the different initiatives that we've managed to facilitate in this operation with trees that are coming down. The scale of opportunity is really hard to comprehend. You're exactly Mm. right. It's happening everywhere, every day. Whether we're talking about hundreds of trees that might need to be cut down for a motorway development or a railway development, or we're talking about one tree in someone's back garden, what we find most fulfilling is providing a space where that person can be truly resourceful with that material and embrace the philosophy of custodianship. So that particular example, that ironbark from Richmond, uh, the owners have asked us to design and build a, uh, some furniture for them using it. 
it's not going to oh. use the entire tree um, but it was an emotional uh, roller coaster for that for that particular person they didn't want their tree to go um, unfortunately an accident happened and it had to come down and being able to give them a pathway to bring it back into the home literally that's a really special feeling and the story you know that narrative that they share with everyone that sits at the furniture that we build for them yes there's a story there there's a wonderful story there and that that, that tree lives on in that story which is a, a beautiful thing yeah i'm taken by the the plane trees here too yeah because, I mean, they're such a ubiquitous part of our cityscapes. Aren't they? And, and in a way, you kind of don't think of them as timber. No. But Everybody <laughs> says that. Yeah, it's really interesting. And people actually probably a bit further the other way. They absolutely hate them. Well, there's, there's that school of thought as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, they're an, an irritant, you know. They upset people's allergies. What sort of timber are they? Well, it's a hardwood. Uh, these are London plane trees. Uh, there's a few different varieties of the plane tree. The, the ones that you see all over Victoria are London plane trees. Uh, yeah, these are a really exciting, part of a really exciting initiative that we're involved with, involved in with Development Victoria and a handful of different architects that are working on the Melbourne Arts Precinct Transformation Development, uh, which is the new NGV and new public space uh, works on the Arts Centre it's the largest investment in an arts precinct or cultural precinct development in Australian history. Uh, and let me so. guess, some, some trees may die in the cause of public art. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. But, you know, you have to look a bit deeper than that. There are some trees being cut down, uh, but there's a, there's a huge amount of public space being created mm -hmm. with a large volume of trees being planted as part of that and the new trees that are planted are a bit more strategic you know okay. these london plane trees they're obviously they're not native the clue's in the name <laughs> they're not from australia uh, they are extremely hardy but yeah i guess the most exciting thing for us and our role in that initiative is that we're, we're able to help facilitate true resourcefulness yeah. and custodianship of that resource That's tremendously exciting as a big project like that would once upon a time, just end up with a big pile of wood chips somewhere. Absolutely, yeah. How many trees are we talking about, do you think? Uh, be in the region of 50, 50 or so. There's a variety yeah. of mostly London plane trees, but also some ficus trees. Our approach has been to salvage every last stick. So whether it's a big trunk or over there, you can see some smaller branches. Yep. As we've been milling the plane trees, we've kept... Every every slice of bark, every every piece of it. Show me um, what you've got inside here. That's well, most of the plane trees are over here, actually. Okay. Do you want, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful stuff, isn't it? Oh, it's so exciting. Wow. Uh, and it is, you know, like you mentioned, you don't think of plane trees as a as a resource that comes to mind when you talk about timber and, and milling timber and, and this type of operation. But, um, but that's as we've been handling it and working with it. It's that stressed and it's that beautiful, it's a beautiful blonde, fine-grained wood. Yes, yeah. Well, this is straight off the mill, this stack mm. of timber here. And you can see these are, these are actually branches. Usually this would just unquestionably be mulched straight away. Yeah. Uh, but if you handle it, again, if you approach it as a, a custodian of this resource, you can see there's huge opportunity with that piece of tree right there. The opportunities are endless. The plane trees that you can see milled here, we coordinated these different examples of how we can mill right. the timber so that we could have a design meeting. There's posts and beams. 
big slabs. Yeah, that's right. So the posts are a good example, actually. We wanted to um, empower the design teams with knowledge of how they might approach the milling process to best incorporate this resource into their designs. So here you've got, that's what a normal structural post would look like if we went to the hardware store and we bought a 200 by 200 post. And then immediately next to it, you've got an example of how we've milled a piece of timber to offer the same structural capacity, but that is unarguably a plane tree. We've left a lot of yes, the bark some on bark it. there, yeah. yeah. We've, it's a little bit oversized. We have to approach the engineering aspect of it pretty cautiously. We'll grade this timber and we'll provide any structural engineering uh, that goes into designs that use it structurally. Um, but this is what we did here. What you can see here is the your, first... Your plane tree display table. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> this is the, actually the first four trees that came out. So you're looking at four trees here. And these sections over here, that's one tree. Interesting example, that's one tree cut into about one and a half metre long sections of trunk and that was because of access constraints at the time of cutting it down. They right. were the largest pieces that's that we were able to cut it, it down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I've just positioned that timber there to um, provide that uh, backstory, I suppose, so the design team start to understand, okay, if we're going to try and incorporate these trees into our designs, you have to think about things like accessibility for the arborist teams. And they in turn have to think about the arborists creating lengths of timber that are going to be useful for you and yeah. or useful for this sort, of, this sort of setting. Yeah, that's right. Part of our process is to have preliminary meetings on site with the arborist teams and try and provide guidance around how they can do their job but also uh, work towards maximum yield, maximum outcome. Um, Arborists must think this is pretty cool. Yeah, that's exactly right. They handle this resource, they know how precious yeah. it is. Yeah. And what we found with the arborists that we're working with, they're extremely excited to see this resource be put to good use. Uh, they have to mulch a lot of trees because that's become part of their commercial business model and a standard sort of expectation. People don't ask them to come in and cut a tree down for repurposing. People ask them to come in and get rid of a tree for me. They don't see it as a resource. One of the key targets of ours throughout this urban tree recovery initiative, one thing I would love to see come about is a standard set of guidelines and policies that require people to have a resource management for trees, resource management plan for trees uh, before the tree is cut down, before it's permitted to be cut down. And I, I, you know, when you start to think about that, I would love to normalize the process of having a design in place, having engineering in place. There's no reason why we can't have a very uh, thought out, considered plan for the resource before we actually take to the tree with a chainsaw. And it's not an imposition on, say, the landholder who, okay, I've got this tree that needs to go from my place for whatever reason. What you're suggesting doesn't impose a burden on them necessarily. It's just a sequence of questions into that chain that normally would, would just not be asked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's become, it's become normalised mm. to be wasteful with trees in our city as a re they're not seen as a resource and so I guess that's what we're disrupting and offering a, a wildly different pathway for people to yeah. embrace it as a resource you know we, but we how, how good that people are, are jumping on it I mean so, for yeah. example that arts precinct idea I mean yeah. that, that shows 
that's a really important step, that, that sort of formal uptake of this idea. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really special, you know, it's a new NGV building and so we couldn't have, you know, it's one of the most high profile projects in Australia and uh, the different design teams, there's um, Hassel Architecture, Angelo Candelapis, uh, NH Architecture and Development Victoria sort of, you know, pulling everything together and working with these different design partners. We had a meeting to review this cross-section of plane trees and ficus trees that we've already milled from Sturt Street where they've been cut down and just the excitement in the air was palpable. I really felt like our operation is empowering these people to utilise a resource in a way that hasn't been possible for them before. Rob, thank you and power to your arm and your mill. Thanks so much for coming, it's a pleasure chatting to you and you know we really want to get the word out there, we're not going to be here forever. We've got a couple more years here and we want to make an impact and so the more people we can engage with and the more we can help people uh, approach trees in a different way then that's what we're here to do. So thanks for the great combo. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.